Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. I'd like to invite you to join me for a pilgrimage tour to France this September. It's based on my book, St. Benedict and St. Therese, The Little Rule and the Little Way. I'll be teaching about the spiritualities and the lives of these two great saints, and we'll be visiting the great monastery of Fleury, where St. Benedict's relics are venerated, and of course going to Lisieux to visit the childhood home of St. Therese, the Carmel where she was a nun, and the great basilica dedicated to her honor. But there's more than that. At Paris, we'll be visiting the Basilica of Sacré-Cœur, Rue de Bac with the Miraculous Medal, going on to Vézelay, Nevers with St. Bernadette, paris le Monial, where the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus was given to St. Margaret Mary, and then Chartres Cathedral, Mont Saint-Michel, the Normandy beaches, and more. I think there's not only going to be time for instruction and learning, but also prayer and worship, celebrating Mass in the various locations, and also time for fellowship and a good bit of French food and wine, too. Come and join us this September. If you'd like to know more, go to catholicheritagetours.com. That's catholicheritagetours.com, or be in touch with me through my website, twightlongenecker.com. Fellowship and Love. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. I really do feel that Mary had a role in bringing me back to the Catholic Church. He reminded me that Mary was my mom. I always fell upon if I needed a desperate prayer, I always called to Mary. I could see that Mary had a hand in this. She began to speak to my heart. Mary's Touch, real-life stories of Mary's love. Hi, this is Sherry Lamonte. And I'm Father Jim Evans. Welcome to Mary's Touch, the show that brings you real-life stories of Mary's love. You're listening to and learning about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Well, Sherry, as you know, we have a very special relationship with our military. And you and several others and a lot of us uh, in constant support of a program um, to help our veterans and our active duty people and their families. Because we know that there are 1.3 million Catholics in our military, and we have fewer than 200 Catholic chaplains. Well, we at Mary's Touch are always reaching out to the men and women of our military. One of the things we do is to give them MP3 players, which have over seven hours of Catholic content, so that in fact, our military can listen to a mass, a rosary, stories about faith, and all of this helping to strengthen them as they live their military life. We have now given our military over 47,000 MP3 players, and that's just over the last five years. All of this is through our outreach program, which we call Frontline Faith. And for which I am very glad to be a part, Father. But we meet people in the military and their families, and, and we've been privileged to witness some remarkable stories. And so... It's with our story today. Colleen Saffron is our guest, and although her life as a military wife has been like a pressure cooker, now she might not describe it like that, but when I've read a lot about her, I thought it sounded like a pressure cooker to me. (laughs) She hasn't let her circumstances dictate who she is. Her life of faith is an inspiring story, and what she has done since 
her husband was injured, not only being a caregiver, but some of the programs that she started. And I want to talk about all of them today. So let's welcome Colleen so she can share that story with us. Welcome, Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Hi there. <laughs> we're, we're really glad you're with us today. And you have such a story. I'm not sure where we should start. And I thought, what do you feel comfortable talking about today? Um, there's not much I'm not comfortable with. Uh, my husband and I are very committed to transparency. I am very passionate, though, about the needs of our community in the Wounded Warrior community. And I am very, very passionate about the need of um, a constant faith in something bigger than ourselves in order to be able to continue to walk the path, particularly when you're living with some of the after effects of war in your family. And and that was, I know, your husband. Can you tell us what happened to Terry? In um, 2004, my husband, he uh, deployed with the 1st Cavalry Division out of Fort Hood to Iraq. And within six weeks of his deployment, he was severely wounded in an IED blast. He has, he has so many strange injuries. He had an injury to his arm where he lost most of his muscle tissue, and they had to repair the bone and do bone grafts. He has his, um, his jaw was partially amputated and partially reconstructed, and 12 years later, we're still dealing with just constant rehabbing and care for that injury as well as he does have a brain injury, um, PTSD, and um, those types of things as well. But this happened in 2004, so post-traumatic stress doesn't go away overnight, does it? It does not. It's actually in our home. Um, my husband's very committed to engaging in his own care, and so it is not our most prevalent issue at this time. It uh-huh. creeps up. Um, it's kind of one of those underlying things that it'll seem very smooth and something will happen that you didn't realize might bring it back to the surface. Right. It, but it is definitely not something that goes away overnight. Well, and then it, to me, what you describe, I feel like if I was the caregiver there, I feel like I'd be walking on eggshells, you know, not, never quite knowing what to expect next. And here you were with a family and now someone that, you know, your husband was injured and now you're taking care of him. How did you, how did you manage that? I look back now and I'm really not sure that I did it first. I have to say that you do what you need to do in life. I, I just had someone say to me, I don't think I could do that. And I looked at them and I said, well, if it was handed to you, you just do it. You don't realize that God's already equipped you for the things that are going to happen. And so when you end up in that situation, you just, you do them. Uh Um, I don't think most of us would walk away from our children or our husbands in those situations. We just continue to care for them as we have to. And so I think that was my first thing. But my second thing was I was part of a very strong group of friends. Most of them were chaplains. Um, And I have to say that... I was quickly reminded that no man is an island. We would not have survived had it not been from the support of our church family, of our friends in the military, and different things. I learned very early, you have to tell people you need help, and you have to be willing to accept that. And that's a very humbling and hard experience sometimes. Yes. 
it flies in the face of our American, um, I can do it, pull it up my bed, bootstrap thing. But we're created with a need for community, and that was a huge part of us being able to uh, fulfill the, the needs of the time. I had people that came and lived with my kids for two months while we were in the Fisher House in San Antonio for care. I had people that made meals and people, I still have people, um, they come and they help cut grass because physically we're not able to do that. It is an incredible understanding of the need for other people in our life. And, and that is such a deep need in all of us. But to see that actually playing out in our life, it, it is actually very inspiring to see other people step up. We have, um, over the years, talked to other wives in the military, and they say that's one of their biggest problems is they, don't, they can't ask for help. But I think you've pointed out you have to. Sometimes you have to, and then you have to accept it, and that is humbling. And what's the matter with that? I think it's not that there's something necessarily wrong with it, but military communities were strong. We're, we are the wives who can do it all. In some ways, it worked to my advantage that I had been a military wife for 15 years prior to my husband's injury because I had already learned the lesson that I didn't have to do it all alone. Good. Um, that's, that's, that's part of the crucible of military life, you know. But um, nor did I want to do it alone. I have to say that I'm not good at trying to rule the world, you know. I'm only as good as the help I have, uh-huh. and I needed that. And I look back over the time, and the people that were placed in our life that were so much help, and it was such practical things that I cannot imagine what would have happened had they not been there. When you and Terry married, was your husband a uh, career soldier? Well, my husband and I, it's funny, today is our anniversary. Um, Happy anniversary. <laughs> thank you. It's 27 years. We're pretty excited about that. But Wonderful. Um, I met Terry in high school at the beginning of our senior year of high school. He had attended basic training prior to his senior year and then was scheduled to do his AIT, which is the second phase of training, and go active duty after he graduated. So he still did that. We just got married in that process as well. So he had already committed to being military, yes. I don't know that we knew what it entailed back then at all. I don't think we had a clue. Well, you know, there are a lot of surprises when you certainly go into the military. It's good that he uh, had some time to contemplate, and he was certainly very fortunate to find a wife like you. I always tell people, besides Jesus, he's the best decision I ever made in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Very well put. And that is a blessing for all of us to hear. And as you um, look at all of the situations that you have have had, is uh, Terry officially retired from the military? He is. He retired in um, 2010 with over 22 years of active duty service. Good. And then a year of reserves. So he did that, but he also medically retired at the same time, because his injuries were such that we could not just retire and then wait out a backlog. We had to go through the medical system. And the medical system, um, you know, without going into um, all of the things, because uh, we, we only have uh, several days to record <laughs> this. And, <laughs> and um, I, I know that, you know, the whole nation is well aware of the difficulties that have arisen within the VA system and with our active duty military. And we all have stories in there. And uh, I'm 
pray to God that our entire situation improves very, very quickly. And uh, we ask for the prayers of all of our radio listeners that you will continue your prayers for all of our active duty personnel, for those who are injured, those who have retired like Terry and Colleen, uh, all of those who are suffering now, the returning wounded warriors, the Wounded Warriors Program. All of you, God bless you all, Colleen, and may you know the respect and the love that we have for our military and the job that they are doing and the way that they are serving so valiantly. And as we approach certain times of the year, and I wish that we really, well, let's say it, I wish we celebrated them more vigorously in this country, quite frankly. Um, Flag Day was June 14th. How many flew a flag? July the 4th, founding of our country. Veterans Day, November the 11th. All of these things, do you have them all marked on your calendars, all of you out there in the radio land? Well, God bless you if you do, and if you don't, shame on you and get them on there now. There you go. It's never too late. No, no, to say thank you. Um, Colleen, getting back to your story for just a minute here, you sound so positive about everything. And I know in caregiving, you had mentioned that there's a lot of guilt Tell us about that because, you know, a lot of us are called the sandwich generation. We're still taking care of children as we take care of of parents, and they're more caregiving now than ever before, and then especially in the military with someone who has been injured. Talk to me about, you know, did you feel guilty at times that you just didn't want to do it? I'm a writer by nature. Everybody has a different way to get things out. And I keep what I keep track of this sounds so strange, but hear me out my guilt list. And it's the things that happen and the um, events and the feelings that I feel guilty about. And some of them are things like when you're angry and frustrated, you feel guilty for being angry and frustrated. They didn't ask to be wounded. They didn't ask to have the needs. Um, when you don't understand something, you feel guilty for not being able to understand. When you can't complete a task or understand what they're asking you to do, you feel guilty for not being able to comprehend. It's so hard because there's a fine line between caregiver and wife. And I, I'm very committed to remaining a wife. I'm a wife first. Um, it's hard, though, when you have to remind people to do basic tasks or help them to do them. And you don't want that. So there's a guilt there. There's the guilt of some of our friends didn't come home. And I'm frustrated with my life and overwhelmed. Well, what about my friends who lost their warriors, whether it was their child or their spouse? So there's a lot of guilt there. There's the feeling of having to explain yourself to people. No one understands why two 45-year-old people don't work. And um, that's a big issue. Uh, why don't you work? Um, well, I, I've heard the famous must be nice or you live off the government. And it's like, it's not quite like that, but it's hard <laughs> yeah. because it's like setting bricks on top of you and you're slowly squashed down. It's like the old cartoons where you slowly shrink. And it's very hard to rise back up and push those weights off. But in order to survive, you have to recognize that those are the feelings. I believe you have to acknowledge those feelings. You can't push them away. And you have to then kind of say, okay, these are real. This is part of my process. And I'm going to accept them, but I don't have to live in them. Oh, I like and that. And then you move on to the next thing. And I think that's a very important part of any time you're dealing in difficulties and 
and relationship issues and all of that. I mean, it'd be really easy to sit there and say, why me? Sure. Well, why not me? Humans are so incredibly intrinsically valuable. Why would I think that I should be better to somehow escape what millions of people live around the world? I think it's important to look at the big picture sometimes to get your focus off of your own internal motivations. And the way you say this, Colleen, which is because I know you've lived it, but learning by doing is sometimes pretty tough. Did you have anybody that said, took you aside and said, look, honey, I'm going to tell you how this is, and you are going to feel guilty? Because when you're taking care of someone, that's the last thing you want to feel. And did you just learn this through feeling I these have, things? Oh, my goodness. I have what I call my Marsha. My Marsha is my pastor's wife. And I'll tell you, that woman does not allow me to sit in my mess. <laughs> nice. She has loved me through some of the worst attitude adjustments known to man. And she's not walked in my shoes. I had to, you know, she told me, I don't understand. Help me to understand. And yet she will face me. And she faces me with scripture and with truth and with love. And she always gives me dignity. And because of those things, I always respond to her. And I think that has been a huge thing. I have a few friends like that that will redirect me when necessary. And I need those. We all need those people in our lives. Right, right. Well, I tell you, this might be a good place for us to take a quick break and listen to this week's Faith and Freedom Minute by Knight of Columbus, Texas State Deputy, Douglas Oldmixon. As Americans celebrate our Independence Day on July the 4th, it is fitting that we remind ourselves that this nation was founded in its earliest period by men and women seeking a place where they could practice their religious beliefs without interference or repression from a government which required strict adherence to a single official religious expression. The contrast was so stark that exile in a new land was preferable to living under this repression. History has shown us that nations which value freedom over uniformity thrive socially and economically. As Catholics and as Knights of Columbus, we honor the spirit of our pioneering founders who valued religious freedom over civil conformity. Will you join us? Learn more about the work of the Knights at kofc.org. But right now, let's get back to Colleen's story and her walk of faith and how she stayed positive and how she chooses joy over being depressed and how Terry was given a second chance and what that means to them. Father, do you want to start out with a good question? I can tell. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just uh, thinking here in Colleen. Uh, when our military goes off to defend us, they are not entering into a friendly situation. They're fighting enemies. These enemies are people who are out to destroy America. They're out to destroy our fellow Americans. This is not something that they they went over there to, you know, uh, distribute Hershey bars and um, wave little flags. Yeah. Right. This is a situation where they are defending our way of life. And um, I don't want to get too high up on my bandstand, but... I've been accused of that. <laughs> the um, situation is that we do have to stand up and we have to stand tall. 
and out of respect and love for all of those who are over there defending us. And we constantly are battling the um, people who say to us, we shouldn't be there in the first place. Well, look at us. We're just the aggressor. I don't find anything aggressive about defense. And this is defense. If they hadn't come after us, we wouldn't have gone after them. And we are there putting up a wall, and the first wall of defense from we as Christians is our faith, our belief in our loving God, His Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Holy Family, all of the saints and angels. We put them all right there, and they're all on the front line with us at one point. And we are there loving God, asking God's help, and going forth in strength. And thank God for people like Colleen and Terry. Amen. Now, I'm down off my soapbox. How are you, Colleen? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I wanted to add to what you said is that um, it's really important to understand that uh, my husband was sent over there. My husband was also Desert Storm vet, so he went the first time. And it's interesting that I think that one of the things, the realizations that hit me early on was when my husband was wounded, it was in a way there was a wound to my faith. And I remember a pastor at the time confronting me because I'd lost my trust in God. And someone said, well, how does that happen? And I said, well, you know, I had this rosy picture of sending him over and I'm praying for him and he's going to be safe and he'll come home and it'll all be fine. And I failed to recognize that trusting God means trusting him in whatever happens. It doesn't mean that we've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that anything was wrong. It simply means that my husband chose a life that had risk. And when that happens, I have to trust that that's not a sign of disapproval from God, but it's simply just another part of our journey. And the journey has many turns and rocky roads ahead. And you have traveled them smoother than most people. And I know that we have programs set up trying to help families in your situation, some not as bad, some worse. And each and every one of them has a different path to travel. As you go forth in this, you have found the church. And we pray that our Christian faith supports and is there for each and every person that finds himself in a situation like this. Colleen, in your experience, how can we as Christians, Christian leaders, many of us who have been active pastors, we're actively involved, and I'm an ordained minister, I want to be there for everyone, especially at times of need, and needs like this are so strong. How can we be better Christians in your experience? Oh, wow. You just hit my passion button, so you might have to stop me. Um, I actually, um, okay, I I have to say that there is a perception of what the church is outside of the walls that people don't understand. Um, I, I talk to families all the time, well, they're judgmental, they're this, they're that. You know, really, we're not. We're just a bunch of humans in one place um, struggling to live a life of holiness, and we're all going to fail. So sometimes, yes, we might be judgmental, or we might be irritating, or we might be angry, or we might not do things right. I think there's a responsibility on both sides. As the church, we need to extend, and we're a universal body. It's not just the building I attend or the building someone else attends. We're a universal body. We are the body of Christ. And we all have a part to play here. 
And extending our hand to them can mean things. I'm in the process of building an ambassadors network with churches. And all I want to do is call them and say, hey, I have a couple in your area, and, and they need some church support. Will you get someone together that will have coffee with them before church? I mean, do you have an ambassador, someone that can call them, maybe have coffee with them, so that these families, when they come in, it's hard enough when you're dealing with, with issues of PTSD, when you're dealing with issues of brain injury and then all the physical injuries, it's already hard enough to enter a church, especially for the first time. Now, add to that all of the other factors, it's almost impossible. But if they can meet someone first, if they can have coffee with them and connect, and then after that, that person just meets them in the lobby and sits with them for a couple of weeks just to get them comfortable in that environment. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's a huge thing. It's so small. It's not asking the church to do anything that's not a part of what it was created to be. But we're not going to just walk in in our situations. We're already overwhelmed. Don't add another thing that we risk feeling those emotions of guilt and condemnation. We need that connection beforehand. I think that also the practical matters are there. Um, my husband is 12 years out. But he just had surgery a couple of weeks ago, and there were some complications, which made it harder. Um, I hire someone to do my lawn every week. I, my husband can't do it anymore. I hire people to do the tasks. I hire people to fix the basics, you know, change my oil and fix my brakes. These are all jobs my husband did. I think it is so important that people within the church look around and say, hey, you know, I drove past so-and-so's house, and their lawn needs cut. How about we just go do it? These are common acts that we can do to bless one another and build community and to live out that faith in a very practical way. But they mean a world to a family who is juggling. You know, I think we had um, eight appointments this week, some in San Antonio, some up here where we live in Central Texas, you know, all over the place. And we just want as close to our old life as we can get. But our old life doesn't exist. So if you can think of a small task, that takes us there, it blesses us immensely. Wow. Uh, thank you so much for that. And, you know, we we just had a break where we heard about the Faith and Freedom Minute by the Knights of Columbus. May I interject here that that would be a great job for the Knights of Columbus mm -hmm. to, to meet our uh, men and women and bring them back, uh, as you said, to have a cup of coffee with them and invite them into the church. This is very doable and something, you know, as me sitting here being very free to do what I want in life, that would be the least I could do for you. So, Colleen, we'll talk later. Let us work on that with Mary's Touch. Okay. And we do listen to the words of St. James who said, faith without works is dead. And so let's get working. Hey, if we can do that. We can do that. And... Colleen, thank you so very much for being with us today and uh, answering some of the harder questions. You know, like uh, in caregiving, there's a lot of guilt. Nobody ever thinks about that, or or they do because they've been there. But listening to you, and as you said, uh, your husband was given a second chance, and you're not going to squander that. We so appreciate that. We want to thank Doug Olmixon of the Knights of Columbus for his Faith and Freedom Minute, and we invite everyone to go to our website at marystouch.org for links and information about Mary's Touch. And as we celebrate July 4th as the birth of the American independence, 
Let us thank each member of our military and their families. Father? Sherry, there are so many ways that we as Christians can reach out in a more effective way and um, a way in which we show our strength. And there is strength in numbers. There is strength in our faith. And there is strength in our Lord God. So what we need to do is one of those things where, you know, we don't even know how to say it in a kind, gentle way sometimes. So maybe we just need to stand up in strength and say, God, you are love. Let us show that love to one another and let us strengthen those who are in need of that strength, especially at this moment. They have suffered. They have given. They are now there for others, but who is there for them? And our wounded warriors are in need. We are there. We are able to do so. And so, Sherry, as we go forth in this life, let us put on the full armor of God and in strength ask God to bless each and every one of us. And never forget, my friends, God bless America. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. This program is produced by Mary's Touch, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to bringing you the love of Mary and her son, Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or a story to share, write to us at Mary's Touch, P.O. Box 341991, Austin, Texas, 78734, or email radio at marystouch.org. For more stories or to find out more about Mary, visit our website, at marystouch.org. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.